2022 has been a challenging year for the UK property market. For Hyde Group, a not-for-profit provider of homes, the responsibility to step up for its 95,000 customers across London and the South East has intensified in the post-pandemic world. I'm Patrick Emmenden, and on this episode of the Workday Podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Anna Brennan, Finance System Implementation Director of Hyde Group, who's going to talk to me about the role of technology in helping the business meet its objectives, why data is key in meeting ESG requirements, as well as offering advice to other organisations embarking on financial transformation. Anna, great to have you on the show. Can you tell your listeners a little bit about what Hyde Group does and your role there? Uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me. Uh, so I work at the High Group. We are a registered provider of social housing. Um, and so what that means for those who aren't kind of that aware of what the social housing end of the G's is, it's um, we are both a developer, so we build properties. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we either sell those outright, we do some shared ownership, but we also predominantly have affordable housing which we have rented tenants in and we have just over 100,000 tenants um, across London and the southeast of England. Excellent and what do you in terms of your role at High Group um, what do you day to day? So my job at the moment and for the last 18 months has been um, implementing Workday so we have um, just gone live with Workday Financials back in May of this year and with Adaptive Planning that went live in July of this year. Um, I was seconded to that so my day job is I'm part of the finance team Mm -hmm. and I head up the team that's responsible for the management, accounting, budgeting, forecasting. So all of the kind of internal reporting that we would do. And that's my role. So yeah, my my background is that I am a chartered accountant. I am one of those evil auditors. (laughs) Um, And I I trained with BDO and then worked at Deloitte before moving over to um, social housing about 10 years ago, uh, working at a few different registered providers before coming to Hyde. Excellent. What, and, and what encouraged you to, to move over to Hyde? It's quite a different field to work in compared to where you were working previously. Yeah, I actually um, used to be the audit manager for one of um, Hyde's legal entities. So uh, I kind of knew us from that perspective. But for me, it was very much housing. You know, it's one of those things. If you give people a home, you just massively improve their chances of a huge amount of things. So schooling for children, mm-hmm. you know, that safe environment for them to be in and to grow up, being able to just get things like having an address for a bank account, which then helps you potentially find employment. So, you know, housing, it's more than just a place for a roof. It's its honestly one of the best things you can do for people to help them really get the most out of their lives and improve their living situations. And I feel very passionately about that, as do most people who work at Hyde. Um, Being able to work for a company that is all about giving back, is all about providing great homes for everybody of a really high quality so that people feel safe and they have somewhere every day that they can go to and call their own and make their own home rather than just a house that kind of you know you're working long hours everybody does there's parts of the job you don't like but when you can kind of get back to why am I here what am I doing actually I'm contributing and I'm giving back that just gives you such a lovely sense of job satisfaction Mm -hmm. so that's what made me kind of move from Deloitte where I very much enjoyed the challenges and everything but I kind of thought you know I'd always worked in the not-for-profit sector so um, government local government that kind of thing uh, housing charities and then yeah, decided to actually what I want to do is, is permanently work for that kind of organisation with that social purpose at the absolute heart of everything they do. And, as, and of course, I mean, it's well publicised that there is huge demand for, for homes and for, in particular for social housing in, in London and the South East. Yeah, and you know, a part of it is I'd, I'd love for us not to have to be there. 
I mean, that would be great, wouldn't it? Um, mm. But unfortunately, there is a real need for that. And, and so we try to diversify what we do. So we do do some outright sale. We do do some market rent. But predominantly, it's all about kind of that shared ownership to help people start to get on that property ladder and hopefully staircase, which means increase the percentage of the home they own um, so that they can kind of take that on and reduce the amount of rent or for those that need kind of an affordable rent option that that's there and that that's also there everywhere so it's not mm. just you know kind of in new developments and things like that but also looking and making sure that everybody can live in every part of London and the southeast, which is predominantly extremely expensive when you look at the average across the UK um, and so it's great to be part of that you know we've got some amazing new developments coming up in places like Rochester and Canterbury that look fantastic mm -hmm. um, and we don't want there to be a difference between the social home and kind of the outright sale next to it we want everyone to to be equally proud of where they live and, and we're really passionate to be able to give that to people I think as well I think you said previously that a lot of the um, people that you work with um, you know they're they're people that are frontline workers, you know, Absolutely. people that are nurses working in hospitals, teachers working in schools that would otherwise be priced out of the, the property market um, around, in and around London. Yeah, and, and you know, that it's great that we can give that to them and provide that to them and, and, and help. And, and, you know, yes, the vast majority of our residents are potentially on something on housing benefit or other things like that, but they, you know, they're amazing people they absolutely deserve the best home that they can get and to be able to be you know near maybe where their families are near where their work are as you say you know not having to commute for ages because they can't afford to live near other people and so i think that's a really important part of what you do or what we do at hyde is making sure that like i say we have these great homes for everybody everywhere excellent thank you um I know COVID-19 acted as a, an accelerator for change at your organisation in terms of your, your plans to transform, but also to, to deliver better services. As a finance leader, how do you go about managing that change in terms of planning, budgeting and forecasting? So, yeah, we, um, we've started um, or kind of a couple of years into now a, a fairly ambitious digital programme where all aspects pretty much of Hyde are we're ramping up the technology behind it to make us more efficient, make us user friendly for our residents who at the end of the day, they're why we're there, they're who we are there to serve, they're our customers. So more and more people are moving online. So we're making sure that we kind of have a frontline service in terms of being able to book repairs or being able to talk to us if there's an issue or you just want some support or help so that everyone can do that both still with offices so people can come in and pick up the phone but also driving more of that online content because that's what our residents want. They, mm -hmm. you know, you can go online for boots and order your pharmacy stuff and everything. It should be no different for us. We're, we're a provider of a service to them. Um, and part of that is also transforming the back office. So yeah. finance. So our legacy system was 20 years old it was coming out of support it was completely not fit for purpose for who Hyde were and are and want to be and so we needed to find a new platform in order to really help us engage the efficiencies that we knew were there and mm -hmm. to be able to spend time helping support our partners on the front line um there are customers as finance, though, you know, we have internal customers. Um, and to being able to deliver to them what they need to know, like how much resource have they got in terms of their financials? Where can they put it? How can they pivot that? And that was really made clear to us with the pandemic where um, we just finished our kind of budgeting round and all of that. And then obviously it came kind of in that March time. We then had to remark everything that we had just done because you were looking at, well, we had 
people going on furlough because mm. obviously if you've got an emergency repair, we were still there and we were still helping and you know our frontline SARS, they're amazing. Honestly, throughout the pandemic, they did not stop that commitment to our residents was 100% there. But not everyone could go in because you could only go in for kind of emergency things and stuff like that. So we did have a lot of key workers, but some were going on furlough. Um, our subcontractors were stopping working, you know, so for our developments, a lot of those had to pause. Mm -hmm. um, as finance, we were working from home 100% from day one. So getting all the equipment out and all of that kind of stuff, it, it, you know, it turned around amazingly quickly, but it also showed we needed systems that could pivot as quickly as our staff were um, because they were just, honestly, I can't sing their praises enough. They were <laughs> amazing. We did not drop the quality of the service we gave to our customers at all um, from a finance perspective people worked ridiculously long hours to rework all our financial plans and assumptions to make sure that we knew where we were spending the money and we could divert resources to things like cleaning to getting PPE for our staff all of that kind of thing and we were doing it with a system that was incredibly clunky so we knew anyway as coming out of support we need to look for something else and Workday was just the obvious winner for us when we went through that process it's Workday financials and adaptive planning are really giving us very easy to use tools mm. that we can then use for our forecasting and our budgeting, our planning. We can then pull our actuals in. You know, it's all very low code or no code. So I'm a finance person. You give me debits and credits, I'm fine. You start talking to me about <laughs> interfaces and I'm like, what's that? <laughs> Is that something in sewing? No, no, that's not something in sewing, Anna. Um, so the ability to be able to just drag, drop, scenario plan without having to go into Excel, clunky formulas that might not come across, that can corrupt it has really opened up a new world for us and it's meant the transactional stuff is becoming easy. Mm -hmm. We don't have to pay much attention to it. You know, we've set it up and configured it so it works as it's supposed to, which means that as finance, we can then concentrate on what I think is the fun stuff um, and we can really support and act as proper business partners, adding value to not just going, oh, here are your numbers, but here are your numbers. This is the trend. This is what it means. This is why it's important. This is what you should be looking at. And that's how we add value to the rest of the business. Yeah. Not just going, oh, by the way, you've spent £100 too much this year. Yeah. You know, you need to know the whys. Completely. And, and I guess as well, hot off the heels of the COVID-19 pandemic in the UK, we've had, you know, um, rising energy prices and as yeah. a result of that inflation, which I imagine has put, you know, additional pressures on your business in terms of things like the cost of materials and uh, I guess underlined the importance of continuing to find those efficiencies so that those savings can be passed on to or your customers can be yeah. protected from the effects of inflation and rising energy I mean it, exactly we are the same as everyone we were facing the kind of rising costs so yes yeah cost of materials for building homes and if it you know starts to cost 10% more then that's potentially 10% less houses that we can build in the same year that we were going to and that means that's you know, those families that we were hoping to be able to get into their own place we can't mm. so you know it, it's things like that. It means that when we're looking at things like service charges, which obviously we have, so we will have units where, and potentially flats, where we will be charging for kind of the electricity and the cleaning and all of that kind of stuff of the communal spaces, uh, we pay that and then that gets, depending on your property and everything else, so it's a bit, it's not always, but then that gets recharged to our residents. We're really conscious of if those prices are going up and we're not putting in energy efficiency, everywhere that we can do to help them not only are inside their flats 
their costs, which they bear directly going straight up, but then their service charges, which we then recharge to them, those are going up as well, mm -hmm. um, let alone our own offices. So it's 100% something that we are looking at as how do we build more sustainably? How do we build more better energy efficiency? How are the white goods that we put into our rented accommodations of the right caliber and quality? Um, whilst also maintaining the fact that we are a charity, we have yeah. a limited number of resources. And if we put too much into one individual place, then somewhere else suffers. So it's, it's always that balancing act between trying to give the absolute best that we can to our residents while ensuring that we don't forget we have a long list of other people who want to become our residents. Um, and so it, it's, it's constantly that balance of, of how do we put the resources in the right place so everybody wins and nobody loses. Mm -hmm. um, and we still, as I say, you know, are making those surpluses to build those new homes. So you, people kind of talk in our industry about profit being a bit of an ugly word. Well, it's not. Mm. The money that we make, the cost efficiencies that we save means that we can build more homes. Yeah. Um, and you can't do that if you don't get funding. So, you know, Hyde this week has announced that we have just entered into agreement with AXA to do the very first for-profit registered provider. So it's a, a big change for us, but that has meant that we're massively leveraging that capital coming from AXA um, and we can therefore build more homes. Um, and we are constantly looking for ways to kind of find that funding. You know, back in the 1980s, government funding was everywhere. Also, yeah. I'm told I'm not quite that old. <laughs> um, you know, and, and that was quite easy to find that, that funding and build those houses. But these days, we have to be really smart about where we get our money mm. so that we can keep building those homes. And we have to be smart about how we build them. Because, yeah, there's no point in building a lovely flashy home that actually costs huge amounts of money to heat because that's our residents will then suffer for it so we have to right from the beginning think about our residents think about what's right for them and what the best value is for them and deliver that and, and what role has uh, has workday adaptive planning played in that certainly a lot has changed in a very short space of time in the in the, in the uk so in terms of understanding how what impact that's going to have on your organization how has workday adaptive planning helped in in that regard so I, I'm guessing we're not alone both within social housing but in wider things is that generally what we were using was Excel spreadsheets, incredibly complex Excel spreadsheets that we'd kind of send out to our budget holders, ask them to fill in, it would come back into finance, finance would kind of look at them, amalgamate them, load them up into the, you know, it was very clunky and there wasn't a quick way of scenario planning. So. Um, especially when I think back to COVID, we did what was called a COVID budget, which completely changed it. So we had budget one and then we had the, the pandemic budget that went over the top of it. That was almost like doing the whole process again. So that was a good couple of months work to pull that forward. Adaptive mm. planning makes it so much faster. So you can change an assumption in there. You, you know, you, you pulled your budget into it. You change an assumption going, oh, well, okay, well... Um, you know, inflation is raised by next to this or the costs of these materials are going up or maybe um, the date of when we're going to finish building this block of flats is going to change so the income level is going to change mm. or even today if we're being really hot off the press rents are, are being able to rise by a price cap of 7% so factoring those kind of things in it's just immediate with adaptive yeah. you can absolutely put that in and you can then kind of look out ahead as to what does that do in the future and that really shows you very quickly, okay, this price rise has come up, you know, budgets are only right on the day you finish them, aren't they? 
and then you're straight into having to be forecast. <laughs> so having a system that is that adaptive mm -hmm. that will make those changes that quickly just means we can give that information straight away to the people who need it so that our you know, development colleagues or our property maintenance colleagues or our exec team know immediately what those changes mean to them mm -hmm. in terms of how much income they're going to bring in, what the costs are looking like, what are the service charges that we're potentially putting onto our customers and we can give that real-time data again to our customers we're not quite there yet um, we've only launched this year but you know that that's the ideal is to be able to get that detailed specific information so much quicker and we can already see it month ends are already getting faster for us mm -hmm. so like i said we're about oh gosh probably fifth or sixth month in now and each one we can see that improvement and that kind of knowledge rising and and can move that forward and means as i say we can then provide the analytics behind it the data insight behind it rather than just the number yeah and again with the you know budgeting we're, we're now starting our budgeting for next year so the 23 24 budget and we're using adaptive planning for that we've built some brilliant models around kind of what's our rents look like what does our workforce look like so kind of where we may have changed teams or anything like that and again that's all coming through in models it's all standardized it removes the chance of human interaction of as in making it wrong, yeah. errors, uh, corruption of data. And it just means everyone's working off the same thing so that then when we get the information back from our budget holders, my poor colleagues um, aren't sitting there kind of going, okay, well, they've done it on a three lines, but this guy's done it on six. So <laughs> how, how do we get that together to one piece of information which we can present to the board? Um, and so that that's kind of the immediacy of what we're seeing mm. uh, within our first six months of going live. Oh, fantastic. Um I know as part of the, the uh, 2050 plan that, that you spoke about um, a little bit earlier, um, ESG is a, a core yeah. focus. As a finance leader, how will you be involved and, and what are the most important things for, for finance teams to consider, do you think, when it comes to ESG? So um, our ESG report is just being finalised at the High Group, so potentially by the time this goes out, it will have um, been all signed off and out there on our website, so go check it out. Fantastic. And it will give you lots of detail about what the High Group are doing around ESG. But, you know, we've always been one of the early adopters in terms of kind of the reporting that's come out and saying that, you know, you need to do more ESG reporting. Um, a couple of years ago, we... we did a whole thing around the social value of the pound. So not just what's the value for money you're getting, but what's the social value for that? Mm -hmm. Because again, for us, it's kind of going back to what I was talking about, the link of you give someone a home, the kids are more likely to be in school, parents are more likely to be able to get jobs. So that pound you put in building that home, actually to the economy, is multiplied hugely as to the social value it gives. And we're a social housing, that's what we are. So ESG, the S, is... It's what we are and it's who we do. I imagine as well internally that gives you a greater degree of focus on realising those efficiencies. As internally yeah. as an, as an organisation, that's probably a, that was a probably really valuable exercise. Hugely. And, and also really uplifting and motivating to see how what a difference we make to people's lives beyond... I say just providing a home because it's not just providing, it's so much more than that. And yes, I know I get very evangelical about this. That <laughs> everyone's like, really? I'm like, yeah, really, this is why a lot of us do what we do. It's why we work in the sector we work in. You know, can you imagine not having a safe place to go to every time or not knowing where your kids are going to be able to sleep or whether it's, you know, how that works. That's just an absolute nightmare. So mm. to know that we give that surety to people is amazing. So yeah, I will keep whittering on about it because honestly, it really does <laughs> By mean... By all that, means do. It honestly means a lot. As we say, that, you know, when we think about ESG, 
the governance of how we do things is incredibly important. We're a charity. We, we, our money comes from our residents. That is the primary source of income for us. So every time we do anything, we remember the source of that money. And that kind of really makes you think like, I can't waste this. Mm. You know, this is somebody has worked incredibly hard to be able to pay their rent. I've got to take that responsibility seriously. So I can't, you know, just kind of, oh, well, let's try about this. Let's worry about that. Or no, let's cut corners here. No, 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 no. That's people's livelihoods have come to pay for us and for what we do. And, you know, they trust us with their families. They sleep in our homes. Their safety is of paramount importance to us. Um, and again, we're very conscious that making things as affordable as we can do. So the environmental side and the sustainability side of that is huge for us. If you look down at what kind of legislation is coming down, green agendas, you know, we need to make sure our homes, the white goods we put in the homes, all of those are energy efficient. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not just for the environment, but that's also for our residents to keep their costs as low as possible. So from a finance perspective, being able to kind of say, right, we're going to invest in these technologies. We're going to invest in how we do all of this because that will pay dividends down the road. It's like anything with infrastructure. You can't take a one or three year view. Mm. We have a 30 year financial plan because we have to look that far out because what we build isn't overnight. Mm. And the money that we invest in those homes and the way we change things won't be recognized immediately. So we have to, as a finance team, you know, my FPNA, my treasury colleagues, have to look that far out and we're heavily scrutinized as we should be by our regulators to make sure that we do all of that so yeah there's there's a lot that we have to comply with and we need to make sure that financially we're putting the resources in the right place to ensure we do comply with that and still keep those great homes with that great quality for all of our residents excellent there's there's a lot of talk um about finance automation and the benefits of, of technology such as as machine learning which technologies um do you think are going to make the biggest difference for finance leaders in the future so it's a little bit difficult to answer that one because for us the size that we are you know a lot of what i'm seeing that's out there kind of the, the destructive stuff like you know more ai more machine-led learning all of that we don't produce the volumes where you'll really really see a massive benefit to that um so i can see that's out there and i'm very excited for my colleagues but for you know for myself that's not kind of for me it's things like i was talking about the low code the no code mm -hmm the ability to just drag drop and, and really get that kind of almost artificial planning help in mm. that when you update something, it just flows through where, you know, things like Workday, where they'll come back and go, oh, these things look like an anomaly. Oh, okay. So they flag to you things that might look interesting. So your management accounts team then go, go and look at it. So stuff like that, that really helps just boost you up, even if a little bit, that for us is a massive leap forward so it's not that I'm not aware of what's out there in terms of the technology that's coming but we're not going to be able to leverage that what we can leverage are wonderful things like workday financials and adaptive planning which will just already as I said you know, help us move forward we're never going to be a zero close company I mean my FD might shout at me for saying that <laughs> but the realisticness is it we won't be a zero day close but if we could be a three day close or a five day close and then move forward wow yeah. You know, that's it. So I think I think the big thing for kind of my colleagues is, yeah, look at what's out there, see what's out there, but don't kind of get overwhelmed and wild with, oh my God, everyone seems to be doing this. We've got to be going for it. Go for what's right for you. Push your boundaries, push your comfort zone. But a zero day clays, which might work for, I don't know, a NatWest or a Barclays or someone like that, may not work for you. So don't go chasing that rabbit hole. Chase the 
three, the five, take those benefits and move forward with it. Um, and yeah, like I say, I'm not an accountant who can do loads and loads of coding and whizzy formulas and things like that. I've got colleagues who are much, much better at it. So the stuff that's embedded within there, um, the no code, the drag and drop, the being able to kind of just drill in. So, you know, pulling something that's in my adaptive planning and that can I can drill down and it sends it back into Workday so then I can find all the journal types behind it and like who did it, when did they do it, how does that link into all of that just saves so much time for me. And that's actually one of my most precious resources is the time of me and the time of my colleagues. The faster we can do things, the more we can do. Um, and so for me, that's kind of where I see the finance, like the technology leading, it's that time-saving stuff. You know, maybe in a new life somewhere else, uh, I might be able to take advantage of kind of the machine learning and kind of the more disruptive kind of things, but uh, not not at the moment. <laughs> I, I, I might be making sort of incorrect assumptions about Hyde Group, but I imagine as an organisation, you probably don't have a large IT team that you can just pull resource from in terms of being able to make those changes for you. We have an amazing IT team, um, and, and and they're quite big tech guys. Yeah, we because Workday isn't our you know finance isn't our only platform. We have a housing management system which has to maintain all of our homes and the rents and the service charges and everything like that. You know, we have a repair system. We have a CRM for our, our residents so there is a huge amount of technology that goes to running a housing association especially a developing housing association which is what we are mm. and as with everything we're very conscious of where are the resources going so if we start to pull on our my incredibly capable tech colleagues mm. to to move forward with one area where we might not actually get a huge amount of value out of it that means we're pulling that resource from somewhere where they could get a lot more so that that's the other thing is you know I'm, I'm here at Workday Rising it's amazing I'm seeing all the wonderful projects that are out there and in an ideal world with you know all the money in the universe I'd be taking going back to going oh there's these things they're marvellous but what we have to do is we have to be really realistic and go you know again it's not my money where does that money come from right where am I getting the most value at the end of the day for Hyde and for Hyde's customers that's where we'll focus. And so, you know, we've put a huge amount of investment into putting Workday in mm -hmm. and it's paying back dividends and it's amazing. But there was that use case and that justification for it. Whereas with some of the other kind of next steps up in terms of technology leading, we just wouldn't get such a big jump. Um, yeah. You know, changing your finance system after two decades, <laughs> there's a massive thing. So also, I think my finance colleagues would kill me if I'm too much more changing. <laughs> They're like, Anna... We have the older system for 20 years. We've only just learned the new one. It's been here for five months. Just, you know, let us learn this one, please. <laughs> <laughs> right, lastly, final, final question. Um, what advice would you give to other organisations that are going through the process of, of transforming their finance systems? What, what tips or what things did you learn yeah. along the way? Um, know yourself, I think, is the big thing. Um, as I keep saying, you know, we had the old system for 20 years. When you've got an old system for 20 years, it's a bit like moving house after 20 years. You find things that you're like, oh my God, I've never looked at that in ages. And that's great. You get to declutter. It's exactly the same. So we decluttered um, and that took a huge, fairly decent amount of time. But it mm. also meant that with our nice shiny new house slash system um we didn't put rubbish in there so we didn't just move something out of the loft and the old one into the new one and you still don't look at it 20 years ago <laughs> um and and so that was one of the big pieces of advice would be is, is know who you are know what you've got and what your starting point is and try and clear up as much of that before you start mm. rather than doing it as you go along because then you're working from a much better 
starting position. So we completely changed our whole chart of accounts. We started with, right, what data is it that we need? What reporting requirements do we have? What is it we've got to do for our end users? And then worked our way backwards. Um, and that's meant that we're, we've really slimmed down our processes. We've really slimmed down the numbers of kind of what most people would know as nominals, etc. Um, and that has just really helped us. We got rid of all of those kind of old purchase orders that have been around with one pence left on it for years. We got rid of suppliers we hadn't used for five, ten, you know, all of this kind of stuff. We got rid of old ideas about, well, these were the geographical sections. Yeah, those were the locations that we used 10 years ago. They're not the locations. So being able to kind of start as fresh and all of yeah. that. And I would say really put your time in at the beginning to that because that will pay you dividends. Um, the next thing I'll say is, if you're doing a finance transformation, I mean, Workday is amazing. Find the right partner for you. Um, yeah. We've used collaborative solutions the whole way along and they've been incredibly helpful to us in guiding us through it. But also use the right people internally. I'm an auditor. Well, not anymore, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an accountant, I'm a finance person. Um, and my project team were predominantly people seconded full-time from finance. So we've been backfilled, which meant we could concentrate 100% on putting Workday in. And it also meant that we're the end users at the mm. end of the day. So we were looking at it almost from user acceptance testing from day one, because we know that when we go back to our kind of substantive roles, Workday is what we're going to be using. So the what's in it for me is really clear from day one. It's like, well, what's in it for me is you're going to be using this to do your day job. So you want to get it right. <laughs> um, and all your colleagues know that you've set this up as well. So you want to get it right or they'll lynch you. Um, <laughs> don't see it as just a project that's maybe run by your change professionals or by your tech professionals. Mm. Bring finance in super early. And again, if you're doing HCM, bring HR in super early um, and keep everyone involved that's going to be using it because otherwise you'll design a lovely shiny system that you know, people using it on data we're just like well this isn't what i need yeah um so keep that in mind i think keep your end goal in mind make sure you've got dedicated resource don't try and do this on top of a day job and know yourself so know that if you've got a lot of stuff up in that loft clear it out first <laughs> that's brilliant well anna thank you so much for joining us today it's been great speaking with you and learning more about hyde group and social housing in london in the uk um, that's all we have time for today. But if you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And you can also read more on the Workday blog. Thank you for listening and have a great workday. <laughs>